Dungeons and Drimbus is rated R for rude language, rough violence, and raunchy humor. I do declare, here's what happened previously on Dungeons and Drimbus. Jessica Felcher, the Hexblood, Dorothy Oz, the Warforged, Gary Mogby, the Goblin, and Thomas Phelps, the Human Warlock, banded together as a ragtag group of attorneys to take on their first case. They are defending Job the Kobold, who has been accused of the murder of one Ansel Rameth in the small town of Sapir. The defendant claims to be innocent and says Ansel Rameth was struck down by the gods. With only one day to investigate, the group heads down to Sapir and speaks with Juniper, Ansel's daughter. Gary discovers one of their pigs is suffering from moonberry poisoning, while Thomas Phelps heads out into the fields to investigate the scene of the murder. He discovers a pitchfork with bent forks and blood on the handle, while Jessica and Dorothy fail to persuade Ansel Rameth's wife, Mia. With the use of a quick spell, Thomas places her under a trance and they gain access to her home, where they discover Ansel's plot to kill Job, who had been thieving from his crop for years. The conversation comes to a head when Mia Rameth confesses to having moonberries in the house with the intention of poisoning Job the Kobold. Your Honor is back in session, I do declare. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey everyone, it is your friendly neighborhood GM, John Carlo Herrera here, and today I wanted to tell you about an awesome show called Looters. It is an actual play podcast where a hilarious cast of friends go on dramatic, action-packed, sci-fi western adventures in a universe full of different factions vying for control over the Outer Rims. I love a good sci-fi western mix, the cast is so much fun to listen to, and it's played on the Stars Without Number game system, which is really fun to hear in audio. I really think listeners of Drimbus would enjoy it, so please check out this trailer, and if it intrigues you, go check them out at looterspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Alright, enjoy. Hey, we're the Looters. Hey, what's up? Looters is a sci-fi western actual play podcast using the Stars Without Number system. We're a group of friends getting into trouble all over the universe. So come with us if you're into adventure. A rocket flies out of one of these ships far behind you and crashes into the wall and blows up. There's rockets? It's Mario Kart. Crazy. Intrigue. Can I hack into the body and maybe see if they have, like, a memory data bank in their brain or some shit like that that I can access? That'll literally. <laughs> Devastating physical injury. <laughs> Just uh, take cover. Okay. She's a good pilot, everyone. <laughs> there you go. She's very good. And, and friendship. friendship. Aww. 
New episodes of Looters out every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, oh! Um, what the fuck? Why did he want to do that? <laughs> yes, Mom, what the fuck indeed? He was tired of all the thieving. The stolen crops were ruining his ability to send you to school. He was trying to kill the kobold. Oh, no. And you knew about this attempted murder? Yes. And what did you do to stop it? I didn't. What the fuck, Mom? I did nothing. Why? Because the kobold deserves to die. Well, in a way, that is justice for the kobold stealing, I must say. It's a very hazy... I would like to go to the back and look for the berries. Have fun. They're underneath the feed. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and sure enough, you open a door into a back room of the house, and you see uh, to your right there are tools and some sort of workbench. There are piles of raw materials, and then in one corner there is uh, piles of feed that you assume are for the livestock. And you dig through it after hearing what Mia just said, and sure enough, find a little vine of moonberries. I'd like to go with Dot and and take a couple moonberries. Okay, you grab a few moonberries. Mia, before we report you to the proper authorities and have you testify to this revelation, is there anything else you are not telling us about that you would like to reveal? Oh, I don't want to reveal anything. I'm j I just feel very magically compelled. Oh, okay. Reveal to us everything that you have not told us. I was born on the 7th of June. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> about the, the murder, Mia. Uh, that's all I got, Chief. All right, Thomas, that's enough. I think we got what we need. Gary, are you sure we've gotten everything? I feel like there's a piece we're still missing. I kind of want to talk to my mom about all of this. I didn't know they were trying Juniper, to... if I were you, I would report oh, this to the proper authorities. Um, that is an attempted murder. Could you guys please leave our house? Uh, well, I, I leave criminals behind. Juniper just goes to her room and closes the door. And Juniper walks in and she catches Jessica looking at herself in like a little hand mirror that she has. <laughs> it almost looks like she was also kind of like talking to herself like, oh my, yeah, absolutely. Like, oh my goodness. Wow, look at you. <laughs> And then Jessica sees Juniper enter and goes, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, dear. Sometimes I just get so caught up with myself That's there. That's fine. I just, if you could please get out of Absolutely, my room, dear. Please. I'm so sorry. I... Um, I love your paintings. Good luck, by the way. Thanks. I love your crown. I love your crown. <laughs> yeah. And she closes the door and locks it. And you hear some, like, it kind of yeah. sounds like soft crying from the room. All right. Uh, Gary's going to walk to the desk, step up onto the chair. And then uh, take a parchment and uh, like a quill with ink and start writing like uh, Juniper, thank you for your cooperation. Everything is going to be okay. Talk to you soon. Uh, your friend, Gary. And he's going to slide it under her door. We are not friends with witnesses, Gary. You're not friends with the witnesses. <laughs> you see, like, the little corner of the paper still sticking out on your side, and you see it slide under. And then after a second, you hear, like, some rustling in the room, and then a different little piece of paper slides out, and you see a smiley face on it. Okay. I'm, I'm folding that up and pocketing that. I will say, with every minute, I feel less and less friendly toward you. You know, just before we go, I have to say, I love, absolutely love these, like, little clay sculptures you have up on this shelf over here. 
and uh, Jessica is going to go over to the shelf and just kind of very surreptitiously pick back up her missing tooth and pocket it. You do so unnoticed. Mia, one final question for you. Yes. Did you kill your husband? No. That is all. I feel so terrible. My soul is on fire, but yet I feel warm and friendly toward you. I will have night terrors about this feeling of restraint every day for the rest of my life. Time to go! I couldn't agree more. Oh, Dot, did you take that vine of moonberries? I thought you took it. I took a couple, but I think uh, we need them as evidence after all, so... All right, Dot's gonna go back and grab that vine. Well, it was a pleasure meeting you, Mia. I think it was a pleasure. I'm not sure. Goodbye now. (laughs) And Jessica will exit uh, the building and head immediately for Wade the horse. All right, there is one more thing, Thomas, that would just clear the air here, but unfortunately, he is buried. He's buried. If we could get a look at the body, we'd know how he died. Do you know where he was buried? At the cemetery, which means we have to defile a grave. Well, what's wrong with that? Oh, goodness. Well, (laughs) to be honest, I wouldn't mind, because if I'm dead, I don't care, but I think the people in town might find that uh, disturbing. Or, you know, we could actually just look for, like, a coroner's report with, like, a coroner's office or something. Maybe, like, the funeral home that arranged for things. Maybe they might have a nice record of the body. Jessica, you read my mind. Oh, defiling a grave. Well, you want to put us in well, jail, Gary, when we're so close to finding the truth? What is wrong with well, you? Well, hey now, documents can always be falsified. Exactly. I mean, I just saw you turn that woman into a fucking meat puppet, so I can I don't trust any documents anymore. <laughs> That's fucking Gary, crazy. Gary, while I'm at it, what the hell is that? And I point at Tony the Pony. <laughs> <laughs> what is that dirty animal standing over there? That is our solution to the problem of having some asshole leave the rest of the group behind well, with the a, with a over-encumbered horse. So what, what asshole? I'll go talk to him because we just wasted money on this dirty, dirty animal. Okay, bend over, grab your ankles, and uh, speak as loud as you can. And uh, you should be got a good connection to that asshole. I don't see how that would help, but don't you dare spend our firm's money again, Gary. It ain't the firm's money. We had a lovely donation from Miss Jessica here. I actually don't have any money on me right now. Tony the Pony, a little tear streams down his face again. Oh, Tony, it's... Uh, he didn't... He's an... Don't... You, you, you're good. You, you are great. <laughs> and he, he nestles up against you. You are below average, horse. Below average. You're the perfect horse for me. Aww. As um Thomas is saying this, Tony the Pony lets out like a small shit and then just so happens to kick it up in the air towards Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Tony the Pony very conveniently kneels down and bites at the ground and he comes up and he pulls out the uh, the little autopsy report that they gave you with the case that seems to have fallen out of one of your pockets when you guys hitched up here. And he goes, <laughs> oh my goodness. Tony, give me that. How dare you hide evidence from us? Bad pony. Bad. Two tears stream down his face. <laughs> no, good work, Tony. You found it. Good work. And I'm going to pet him. The autopsy report basically reads that cause of death was blood loss, and the body was found in basically no suspicious state other than three puncture marks through the torso. That's the pitchfork? So, the thing with the pitchfork, I found it, and there's no blood on the teeth of it. 
the prongs. Huh. They are jammed in as if they hit a wall, and there's only blood on the handle. Tony the Pony runs into the field, grabs the pitchfork, and then comes back and puts it in your hand as you're explaining this. <laughs> Good boy, Tony. In terms of the puncture wounds, does the report have anything to say about the consistency of the wounds across the three things? They seem to be three uniform puncture holes. It would appear that the instrument, whatever it was, entered through the back <gasps> and came out the front. But how? They were in the middle of a field. Is there a second pitchfork? These are definitely some very good questions. Maybe this death could be accidental. Maybe somebody, like, fell against the pitchfork and the force of them falling onto the handle of the pitchfork pierced their body and bent the uh, the pitch pot of the fork or the fork bit of the pitch. Whatever. I, I don't know the technical terms of pitchforks and things. Right. No, the problem is that there's no blood on the end of it, on the on prongs. Well, if someone else stabbed him from the backside with another device or, well, murder weapon, then the blood from his exit wound would have covered the handle. Now, I, I don't want to be a sour grape here. However, yeah. the only person that we've talked to so far that might have a motive to kill Mr. Anzel would be the one trying to get into art school, correct? I don't think it's that daughter. That doesn't seem like a... I was thinking that now that we've talked to these two lovely ladies, we both know that they did not formally witness the crime. So a lot of this evidence seems to be circumstantial. So we might be able to get the case dismissed just based off of that alone. But of course we want to get to the bottom of it. But that's something to keep in mind since somebody only gave us one day to do all this work. Oh, we have enough to get Job off considering that they were trying to murder him. We could claim self-defense very easily at this point, but we want more, don't we? Don't we want the truth? I don't even know if I want Job to get off. Oh, come on, Gare Bear. Everyone deserves to get off. No, not... No? Weren't you telling me about innocent until proven guilty? Everyone's guilty until proven innocent. Come on. No, no. It's innocent until proven guilty. That's why I'm here. And Job is innocent, Gary. For now, but things don't look good. Now, I have a another thought that just kind of was occurring to me. So Job was saying that there was this sort of like godlike interface that uh, interfered in the situation. Now, there's a wizard's tower in town. I wonder if any sort of magical intervening might have originated from that tower. And I think that could be a great place to go next. Jessica, my friend, when in doubt, it's either two things. Wizards or ninjas. (laughs) Maybe even wizard ninjas. So I definitely think that we're looking at some kind of magical interference here. Did anybody find anything of any uh, consequence in the other bedroom there? No. Well, that's good to know, I suppose. Since I was uh, just kind of hanging out in that other bedroom there, I just thought there might be... And there was nothing in that bedroom, by the way. Just art supplies and, you know, a diary of hers or something. Did you read the diary? Of course not. That's a private item of a young teen. I would never... Oh, Jessica, you fool. That could have given us the answers we need. I did it. I killed daddy. I killed daddy. All right, Tommy boy. How about we go to that wizard tower? Sounds like a plan to me. Come on up here, Dorothy. And Jessica has mounted Wade the horse and has patted the back of the saddle for Dorothy to hop on. It is ridiculous to assume that magic of any kind is involved here. It's clearly not. 
why were we wasting time with this wizard's tower? I'm going to go to the forge because maybe one of the neighbors saw what happened there. Well, you know, splitting up isn't the worst thing we can do. We cover more ground that way, I suppose. And with only a day to do it, I guess it's a good idea. Plenty of time. So who's coming to the wizard's tower with me? I'm coming with you with Tony. <clears throat> Same here. Uh, how tall is Tony? Uh, Tony is like your height, so three feet. Yes. And then, yeah. Awesome. Okay, perfect. So when you mount him, you're probably about five feet tall. Yeah, I'm just going to lead him by the reins and walk. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'll just, I'll do that. As Thomas heads off to the forge, the three of you head to the large tower. You follow the simple cobblestone path as you lead your horse throughout the town. And then as you approach the tower at the northern end of town, it turns into a much neater brick road here. Behind the tower, you see lots of immediately dense, thick forests, almost as if the tower is like the edge of civilization and it just breaks into wilderness right behind it. And it is this enormous, twisting stone building that seems to jut into the sky with a mixture of gray, blue, and pink bricks that seem haphazardly thrown together. The structure almost seems to defy the laws of physics as it kind of twists and like you're not quite sure where its center of gravity lies but there it is and there is an enormous heavy wooden door there with a brass knocker that resembles one of those like classic old wizard faces but with a big gaping maw just like staring back at you. Jessica will grab the gaping maw and knock thrice upon the door. You knock thrice, and out of the mouth you hear a voice that says, Get away. Um, excuse me, I, I, we can't quite go away because uh, we have a few questions, a, a, a couple of ponderies, a, a couple queries for you. I'm a wizard myself, actually, so I was just coming to check the place out as well. A wizard is a very simple term for what I am, and very high praise for someone of your novice talent. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree that I'm a novice here. I'm very much new to the art form of wizardry and spellcraft. But, you know, I'm just trying to make my way in the world. And, you know, we were all we were all novices at some point, weren't we? Yeah, whatever. Go away. Um, I, uh, did you, uh, can, are you sure? Can I, uh, I'm, can I'm, I interest you sure. in, uh... I mean, we're talking right now. I just, can we ask you a couple questions? I am Ostracon, great wizard of the Tower of Ostracon. You know why it's named after me? Because I'm Ostracon, now go away! So, Ostracon, um, do you happen to know either Job or Ansel Rameth? I'm not an idiot, yes, I know the people who live a hundred feet that way. Oh, you know, I just want to make sure, you know, sometimes... Sometimes people can be a bit reclusive and they don't know the neighbors, but I'm very glad to see that you do. So, um, do you do you know what happened to poor Ansel? He died. Did you happen to uh, notice anything odd the night of the incident? No. I've not left my tower in many years. Well, your tower must have a beautiful view of those farming fields. Did you happen to be looking out the window and see anything suspicious? Wouldn't you like to know? I certainly would. I said, I said I certainly would, and... and Sucks to suck. What are we sucking? <laughs> the, wow. the knocker on the door blushes. Oh, my good... I, what a crafty little spell you have with this knocker, my goodness. Do they come in a set, just like a nice set of knockers? Ha! Knocker? Hardly know her. Oh, God. 
That's for sure. Can you at least uh, refer us to anybody who might be able to uh, bear witness to any of the incidents from that evening? I don't involve myself in the affairs of the people. I only interfere as the need presents itself. Interesting, because um, the man accused Job, he said that there was some sort of like godlike interference that evening. Some sort of... God happened to be a very compelling force, some divine energy that intervened. Um, do you have any information on any sort of anomalies that night occurring? I suppose it depends on your beliefs. By the looks of it, you smell like atheists. Wow. Well, <laughs> hey now. I didn't know I gave off that smell. Um, I don't... I gotta switch soaps. <laughs> Sorry. And um, how uh, how do you identify with that sort of thing? Are you an atheist as well, sir? I commit to the pursuit of the truth. Okay, so an atheist then as well. Oh! <laughs> I'm old enough to remember the time when gods ruled over these lands. Well, hey now, if you're on pursuit of the truth, then this should be right up your alley. Wouldn't you want to help us out? This is not a truth that concerns me. Well, hey now! Wishy-washy going back and forth, huh? This is but a petty squall. Well, there's someone who's accusing your god of uh, interfering in the in the negative way, killing uh, killing someone, uh, an innocent whoa, man. Whoa, 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 you're just assuming it's my god, bro? Well, that's what they say. I'm just uh, here to... Hey, there's more than... Hey, to each their own. No, I'm here to clear, you, clear the name because uh, the people in town aren't happy about it, you know? I'm pretty sure no one is accusing me of anything. Oh, well, how would you know? Yeah, you sit in the tower all day. Oh, Lord, if I answer your questions, will you leave me alone? Yes. You betcha, Absolutely. <laughs> what do you want? What sort of magical disturbances did you sense that evening? I'm not a fucking Jedi, man. I'm a wizard. Well, did you see anything from out the window? Any sort of... Uh... Does it look like I have windows? I don't know. It goes pretty high up there. I can't tell from here. Yeah, I know. I love it. That's why I built it so high. No, I didn't see anything suspicious out the window. Perhaps a crow or something or other. Is there anything that stands out from that night in particular from any other night that you uh, go about your business? Who was accused of the murder? Um, it was Job. He's the red kobold. Red and slender, two little horns, sensible lad. Oh, yes, very sensible. Sure thing. Mm, yes, that, that makes sense. No, I will bite. Yep, just, uh, he hasn't been around. That's it, that's all. That's the only strange thing I've noticed. <clears throat> you say that he hasn't been around. Um, yes. Are you aware of his current situation? Well, I'm assuming you took him into custody into your uh, court system, yes. Yes, he is in custody in the court system. Is there anything, uh, anything that we should know about him? Any sort of information that you have on the guy? Roll a persuasion check for me. Five. Whoa. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, that nope didn't feel like the, uh, uh, like a full nope there, but you know, uh, that's the best that we can do here, I suppose. Anybody have anything to add? Well, if I'm just being honest, I think you're lying. Well, I think your metal's rusty. Oh, well, now I know you're lying. Destroy. No, right there. Your, your joint at your pinky finger. It's a little rusty. Oh, shit. You're right. What was your name again, wizard? Ostrogon! 
Can you spell that because... O-S-T-R-A-G-O-N. Ostrogon. All right. Well, thank you. We just wanted to make sure we got the correct spelling because you will be hearing from other people in regards of this case. Oh, fuck. Of course, unless you wanted to cooperate now, uh, that would save all the trouble later. I like to think we're pretty pleasant of the people that are going to come knocking about your door. But who's to say? Good luck getting through my arcade lock. <laughs> uh, 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 so is Joe like a follower of yours? Is that... Roll a persuasion check. I'll give you advantage because of, um, let's say that Dorothy was helping you out there. 13. He wasn't a follower, he just interacted from time to time a little bit. Uh Oh. He did what you told him to do? No, I don't give orders, I simply study. But when a mutually beneficial arrangement presents itself, well then, sometimes I like to enter into business. Well, what exactly would be mutually beneficial of Job carrying out a thievery? Are you starving in there? He brought me things uh-huh. in exchange for rewards. Rewards? Uh, yes. Like a sticker? No, well, cut, yeah, if, um, like, like golden stick. Good God damn it, I'm an alchemist. I can turn stone to gold. What I can't make is a damn sandwich. Oh, now I'm going to need to strike an arrangement with the townspeople, and they're so much more fickle than the kobolds. Was it just Job you were talking to? Yes, he brought me food. I gave him gold. And did he say why he needed all this gold that he was getting from you? I think it was for worship. So he gave it back to you? I'm not his god. Wait, so sandwiches? Do you you, you steal sandwiches from a farm? I don't understand. Well, he steals ingredients, and I can kind of alchemize them into something a little more tasty. But (laughs) listen, I only have so many chairs here. I can't turn them all into burgers. (laughs) So if my understanding is correct, Job worked in the mines up a little bit north, and uh, he would bring you stones to turn to gold, and then he would uh, pay you... Uh, or give you sandwiches and you'd get the go- and he'd get the gold, yeah? Something like that. Something yeah. like that or exactly like that. Sorry, we need to be very specific. It's mostly accurate. Yes. Uh, what sort of details am I missing there? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it would be a little different. We've been in business for a very long time. Like a like an intimate kind of different? No, absolutely not. Oh, well, why are you so quick to Well, hey now. What? I answered your question honestly. What do you Oh, this is why I built this tower in the first place. Jesus Christ, I just lost another century of life. You built the highest tower in town to avoid being what? Yes! What do you do what? not perceive me! <laughs> the highest tower in town! I love being perceived. <laughs> you have constructed a beacon, essentially, is what you've done. I don't understand. Do you, do you see? <laughs> Listen, you whippersnappers have it all cool Oh, I remember those days. Oh my goodness, those are quite the days. That's that's still today. They they still do that. Don't worry. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you know that well, Colin. I would just like to understand why you didn't just take the stones that he brought you from the mines and with that gold then just purchase things. Because then I need to come out of my tower. Listen, when I built this... There was a quarantine going on, and it really made me reconsider just, like, you know, the, the general filthiness of the markets. And so 
Just ordering delivery was a lot easier. Would you be willing to testify in court? Absolutely not. Uh, Jessica quickly scribbles down a couple of the things they've discussed and said, would you be willing to sign this document saying that you have uh, presented this information to us? Are you trying to trick me to accepting a summons? No, you can read it. No, not at all. <laughs> and I, and I, uh, Jessica slides the piece of parchment under the door. No, wait, I'm, wait, I'm all the way up here. Just put it into the wizard's mouth. Oh, okay. And, and Jessica, <laughs> like, tries to reach underneath the door. She takes out, like, the mirror from her bag, puts the mirror like under and like pulls the parchment back through under the door with the mirror um, and then puts the parchment in the mouth of the wizard knocker. A few seconds later, a little uh, paper shoots out and bonks you on the forehead. <laughs> my goodness, thank you so much. And I checked to make sure he signed it, did he? Yes, he did. It's, it says Ostrogon. And it's a, it's a big fancy signature. Jessica rolls it up and puts it in her purse. Are we, are we done here? Well, uh, Mr. Ostrogon, I appreciate all your time. Uh, anybody have any last questions? Nope, apparently not. Well, you know, have a lovely rest of your day, sir. Yeah, all right. Have fun dying with your incredibly short lifespans. Ouch. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, completely. Man, that hurt. Sorry. I, I'm a little pissy. As this is happening, we cut over to Thomas approaching the forge. So, Thomas, you walk over to the forge, leading popcorn along the way, and uh, you arrive at this very, very pretty building just behind one of the homes. It is a smooth stone flooring with an open construction plan. There is a pitched marble roof with grooves to drive away water. And at the four corners of the forge, there are no walls, but there are white pillars with dragon head statuettes facing the center of the room. At the heart of the forge, there is a large, intricately designed furnace with a deep violet flame. Beside it is a square pool of still crystal blue water with a light smoke sublimating off of it. On the northern side of the room, there are long slatted boards with mounts for weapons um, and uh, some empty armor stands. There's an anvil along the eastern edge with nice, neatly organized stacks of ore and materials. And there's a workbench along the southern edge there as well. And putting away some ingots and materials in those neat stacks, you see a man. There's a time-weathered, muscular man with a permanently furrowed brow. His hair is light, dusty brown with heavy gray streaks, fair skin, and a completely white goatee. He wears a sleeveless black shirt and a tan leather kilt. As you see him stacking ore, he hears you approaching and turns around. Hello, my good man. Hey. Sir, what is your name? Uh, name's Jeb Getty. Jeb, very good to meet you. My name is Thomas Phelps. I am a private investigator looking into what occurred here to Enzel in his murder. Aye. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Would you like a seat? Uh, anything to drink? Or... Oh, I don't need a drink. Thank you very much. But I will take that seat. Thank you so much. All right. Um, and he pulls out... There's just one seat here, but he offers it to you, and he sits on some of the metal. Thank you. So, what can I do for you, sir? Well, really, we're just looking for information, as the true government investigation into this case has proven... Unworthy for our private taste, so any more information that you could give us would be most helpful. Whether you saw anything on the night of the murder, whether uh, you have any family members here that may have seen something, anything will do. Uh, certainly. Um, no, you know, Ansel was a good elf. Um, a little angry, but kind. You know, farming life is hard. and um, I personally didn't see anything the night of the murder. Uh, 
of course, I interacted with him frequently, as did my family. Um, we have Rohingyas inside the house with uh, our new baby, Bibi Giddy Wills. Beautiful, love her. But no, I'm, I'm afraid I didn't see anything that night. Uh, I have been here for forever, though. You know, my family basically built this time. So if there's anything I could do to help you, I'm, I'm happy to offer information. Well, see, Jeb, I was told that you all, this town, depended very much on Ansel and his crops. Is that true? Certainly. I, well, okay. So Smithen is the Geddy family trade, right? So my grandfather, Oman Geddy, he moved here and he became really famous for his craftsmanship. And, uh, you know, shortly after that, he, he got Ostrogon to come and help build the forge. And then uh, after that, they... Ostrogon hasn't been around in a while. He kind of had a falling out with my mum. And so he's kind of been up in his tower doing his thing, but he helps when he can. Uh, Then my father took over, tried to make this a big mining town. I'm sure you know we have the the mine up north, just at the end of the town. Um, But that didn't really take off. That's kind of why the Enno was built, to kind of house miners. But honestly, I think it's for the best. Gives us... uh, if we had had a, a ton of miners here, we would have run out of resources ages ago. So since it's just me, I kind of take as we need. And thankfully, we've kept the art of craftsmanship here. So that brings a little bit of economy this way. But ever since the uh, uh, the Ramoths moved in, you know, he brought in some agriculture. And uh, he struck up that deal with the coffee company not too long ago. And so that has been huge because... A big export and also allows for travel more frequently in and out of town. So the inn sees a little bit of revenue there as well. And of course, the people coming through uh, get to see some of my craftsmanship and commission, you know, weapons, armor, art, sculptures, whatever. Um, So it's complicated, of course. But yes, he did did bring a lot of trade into town. I see. So, you were telling me you saw nothing of the murder, but you must have heard something. It was a very loud scream, after all. Actually, I'm afraid I didn't. A, a long day at the at the forge, as you can see. Um, and he points over to one of the weapon racks, and you see this beautiful blade up there. It's a longsword with a wolf head hilt enlaced with gold and silver. And the blade is steel with dark bluish ripples kind of running along the metal of the blade. I had that commission not too long ago, so, uh, you know, two nights ago. I believe I was in the middle of making the blade. Long day, lots of banging. My hearing's gone to shut working in the forge all day. And so I kind of, I passed eight. Um, the next morning, I kind of woke up to the whole commission. The reclaimers coming in, taking in the kobold. Uh, of course, we offered our condolences to the family, but... I'm afraid the night off, I didn't really see anything. I see. And you were in your house at night, or were you out here forging that beautiful weapon over there? At the time of the crime that night, I believe I was already in bed. I see. That's a beautiful weapon you've created there. May I take a look at it? Oh, thank you. Certainly, yes. Uh, be careful you don't cut yourself. All right. I'm going to investigate and see if I see anything fishy with it. Sure. Uh, roll an investigation check for me. 17. Nothing fishy about the sword, but it looks very, very nice. It looks like it would be quite pricey. Okay. And can I look around to see if there's any three-pronged weapons in the forge? Give me a perception check for the forge in general. Natural 20. Nice. Hell yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say with this, you uh, you decipher everything you need to know about the forge. So you don't see any three-pronged weapons around. It's very bare, aside from basically the that sword he's working on right now. The only, like, maybe fishy thing, or I'm not even fishy, the only things of note that you really notice are that the heat of the forge, like that fire, 
and uh, and the water seemed to be magically powered somehow. But other than that, it this seems very standard. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful forge. Jeb, just a couple more questions, and then I'll leave you here. Hey, you said you were friends with Anzel. Did he have any enemies of note? Ah, uh, let me see. I know that thief had been bothering him for ages. You know, he used to remark about it all the time. Of course, he's he's trying to save up to send his daughter to school, let alone in Opula, a grand city, which, ah, uh, man, I, I couldn't imagine. Yes, I know it quite well, quite grand. Aye. Well, I, I couldn't imagine saving up that much money. I've got a little child of my own now, so I suppose I should start thinking about it, but, um... No, you know, he, he was a kind guy. Like I said, it's a it's a very difficult life. He's he had fallen behind on the uh, the shipments for the coffee a few times already and so payments were never quite what he expected and I'm lucky, you know, I my commissions are few and far between, but they are sprints of work. For him it's a marathon all the time. He's growing that coffee and if he comes up short that's a whole season basically uh Whole season of disappointment right there. Not to mention the thieving on top of that. So, troubled man, but kind at his heart. And who is he sending these shipments to that demanded it so quickly? Uh, she's in town right now, actually. Uh, Hara lady from Opula. From uh, from Groomshus. Really? Where in town? Uh, she's staying at the inn. I believe she actually came in the night of the, uh, the incident. I believe he was getting ready to prepare the harvest. She was coming to investigate and then uh, pick up. So... She's been staying overnight while uh, the wife and daughter are trying to finish up harvesting everything. And what was her name again? Kat Hara, I think. Okay. She's over at the, the Layman's Rest, the inn. Very good. Thank you so much for your time, Jeb. Of course, of course. Hey everyone, it is your DM, Giancarlo Herrera. Hope you've been enjoying the second episode of Your Honor. I just wanted to come at you with a few quick announcements today. First off, today's episode is brought to you by Geek Grind Coffee. They make awesome, very, very geeky coffee blends available as regular ground coffee, K-cups. They even have samplers. But I think our resident coffee aficionado, Thomas Phelps, would actually like to tell you something about them. So I'll leave it to him. Thomas, you are walking through Sapir and you see Popcorn hitched up by the farm where you left him. However, roll a perception check for me. 14. Okay, you notice something odd. Popcorn is chewing on the coffee crop. Popcorn, what are you doing there? (laughs) Spit that out. (laughs) Uh, He spits it out and stands up straight and looks at you as if like, no, 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 I wasn't doing anything. Popcorn, I have told you this a million times. We don't eat any of that peasant coffee. We have the finest coffee in all the land. You know that. Look at this here, Popcorn. (laughs) This right here is the Dragon Roast. Mm-hmm. It's a dark fire blend. It hails from the land of Colombia, and it's made by the alchemists over at Geek Grind Coffee Company. Mm-hmm. Listen, Popcorn, this right here, it is 100% sourced from women-owned farms. And you know as well as I, I've told you this many times, Popcorn, women make the best coffee in all the land. All that coffee crop over there you were eating from, that is completely made by men, and it's disgusting. You don't want any of that popcorn. <laughs> He spits again out into the coffee crop this time. Now listen, Popcorn, sniff this right here. Sniff it. 
<laughs> that smells good, doesn't it? I bet you want some of this coffee, huh? <laughs> well, you cannot have any popcorn. <laughs> you have to buy your own. If you go to the website geekgrindcoffee.com slash Drimbus, you could use the offer code Drimbus to get 20% off your next order, popcorn. <laughs> Roll an inside check for me. 16. You get the feeling he's asking you, do I really have to buy my own coffee? You have it right there. I, yes, Popcorn, you absolutely have to pay for your own coffee. I'm paying for your rent. I'm putting a roof over your head. I'm paying for food. Come on, you have to grow up at some point, Popcorn. You have to buy your own coffee now. <laughs> he looks longingly towards the bag of coffee as you pull out your little French press and begin brewing yourself a cup. Tasty. Once again, guys, if you want to get some coffee from Geek Grind Coffee, just go to geekgrindcoffee.com slash Drimbus and use offer code Drimbus to get 20% off your order and help support the show. Now, I'm going to pass it off to Michael for today's shout out. Hi, everyone. This is Michael Pisani. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to a new podcast that just recently premiered called Four Basic Witches. It's myself, my sister, and a couple of our friends. Come check it out. Available on YouTube. And lastly, I just want to give a special thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you to Jerry Benetados, Queso Loco, Terrence Knox, Kevin Dubberlet, John Mitchell, and Victoria Madrid. Your support makes Dungeons & Drimbus possible. If you want to become a patron and get access to our exclusive new series, or fun stuff like our limited edition Drimbus phone case as a celebration of our one-year anniversary, only available until the end of June 2021, then consider supporting us over on patreon.com slash Drimbus. That said... Let's get back to the show. Hi, I'm Yusuf Dahl, and when I was 18, I was convicted of selling drugs. For the past three years, I've had difficulty finding housing because it is legal in the United States to discriminate against individuals that have a past drug distribution conviction on their record for life. It doesn't matter if it was a hard drug like heroin or a drug that's now legal or partially legal in many states across the country like marijuana. The Thurman Amendment was introduced to the Fair Housing Act in 1988 by segregationist Strom Thurmond, and it's since been used to deny housing to all people. But because people of color are disproportionately jailed for drug charges, we are affected more. My goal is to overturn this amendment to start an end to housing discrimination that unfairly targets people of color. If you would like to join this movement, please visit ThurmanAmendment.org to learn more. A message from the Fable and Folly Network. Uh, I just want to check in with the people at the tower. So what is your step after the tower? Uh, I think the VAR would have something for us, but unfortunately uh, I am uh, very short on funds right now and I'd feel awkward going in there. Uh, not ordering anything. All right, so if I made my way to the fountain, dipped my hands in, took some coins, would anyone see me? Uh, the person at the forge might see you. I was just thinking because Gerber seemed to want to get a drink or something and you want money, well, there it is. Oh, in the fountain? Yes. Yeah, all right. I'll scoop up some gold. I suppose that's where we're going, so I'll follow them as they head to the fountain. You head up to the little fountain park area and it's a beautiful garden surrounding an intricately carved statue of a dragon spewing water from its mouth up into the air a few benches and plenty of open grass space uh, surround it and it looks like they could be used for any number of things you know reunions presentations that sort of thing uh, but more than anything it's nice and peaceful and since you walk straight up to the water with this purpose 
Uh, you see a few copper and silver coins in the fountain. Mostly on the right side, though. All right, Tony, stay here. And uh, he hops into the water, and I guess it's, like, up yeah. to his... It, it's up to, like, your mid-chest, wow. basically. Okay, so there's not really any gold pieces here, but it's a bunch of copper and silver. We start collecting them, and mostly on the right side, you get yeah. about maybe two gold pieces worth of coins before you hear, Oi! Um, hey, lad, in the fainting. Yeah. Um, no, no disrespect at all. Are you taking the coins? No, I'm taking a bath. But I, I see the coins in your hand. Are you? Listen, if you, if you need a, a gold piece or two, I, I can spare it. I, I'd rather you didn't take it from the fountain. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll do that. And he just drops the pile like in the water. Okay, and he hands you two gold pieces, and he says, "Here, I, I doubt there's more than this in there, anyways." Thanks. Are you here with the uh, private investigator? The who? I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that. Yeah, I don't... No, I don't follow. A fellow mm. in a maroon suit, slick black hair. He sounds like an asshole. No, no we're, we're here on our own thing. We're just okay. trying to, wanted to try out the bar there, and I forgot my coin at home, so uh, this was real nice nice gesture you got with uh, this. Have, have a drink on me. I, I know it's silly, but I don't like to disturb the... Uh, the offerings, you know. It's a family tradition. Oh, yeah, of course. I completely understand that, sir. I was wondering, this is an absolutely beautiful fountain here. Is it dedicated to anything in particular? Uh, my grandfather made it, actually, back when they lived here. Grandpa Oman. Oh. oh, my goodness. Such craftsmanship. This is your fault. I, I believe it was, well, you have to understand, different time. It was more prevalent, but he liked to craft in honor of the gods, and so... He made this, uh, often made lots of offerings here, and so I don't necessarily believe myself, but I still like to offer a little piece of every commission I do, more so in honor of my grandfather than anything. That's a very noble tradition to continue on in his memory. Yeah, it would have been a little upsetting if you took all the coins. Then no, this was your fountain. I am so sorry. Oh, it's okay. Would you like to uh, climb out? I mean, the water's not very nice. It's a, it's a nice time of year, but you're, you're pretty wet in there, lad. I mean, am I allowed to swim in it? Um, I can't say I've seen anyone do it, but I don't see why not. It looks, it looks quite... You know what? It looks quite nice. And he gets in with you. <laughs> hey, you know this trick? And he just cups his hands and he tries to make a squirt of water come out like and splash at him. Goodness. <laughs> no, I can't say I do. Oh, my. Oh, well, you boys and your squirting. Aren't you just... <laughs> Anyway, so what brings you to town? Yeah, the tavern. We were going to check that out. Okay. If I may just ask really quickly, you mentioned that your grandfather built this in honor of the gods? Yes. Would you say, uh, I know you you don't necessarily um, partake in that whole belief, maybe, but would you say the majority of this town does? No. uh, I mean, I I know Ostrogon used to with them a little bit, not quite as much, and then... You know, they they used to worship around here somewhere, but... Um, oh, any idea where? Roll a persuasion check for me. That's a 17. You know, you have a very friendly and trustworthy presence. Yeah, I, so funny enough, my grandfather actually moved here because he said he felt some sort of divine presence. Hence, you know, all the dragon statues and whatnot. But okay, I haven't been there in ages. Could I actually... Request that you make a little offering on my behalf. Oh my goodness, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Okay, 
Yeah, just out behind the tower in the forest, you should be able to see it. There's kind of a, a beaten path there. There's a little area that you used to go to worship. I literally haven't been there since I was a child. That's why we kind of, you know, kept the statue here and I make my offerings here. But uh, I don't know. I've been getting older lately and just had a child. It's got me thinking a lot about things. And If you could make a little offering on my behalf, I, I, I'd really appreciate it while you're in time. Certainly. What do you mean by offering there? Sure. And he climbs out of the fountain and he runs over to the forge and then he comes back. And he brings like a chunk of like a golden ingot here. Uh, it's, a, it's a piece of what's left over from uh, something I was just crafting now. There's a little alcove there. There's a statue in there. And we just like to offer what we can. Thankfully, I've grown in skill and, you know, I'm not wealthy by any means, but we have means. So I, I just like to dedicate it to my grandfather. If, if you could go drop it off. I, I don't know if you, you know, what your religious persuasion is, but if it does anything for you and, you know, it's it's a nice place to reflect. There's a little pond. It's very tranquil. Sure. Why, thank you for entrusting us with this. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, what was your family name, you said? Geddy. Geddy. Jeb Geddy. Nice to meet you, Jeb. I'm Dorothy. That's Jessica. And that's Gary. Ah, pleasure to meet you. Likewise. Well, we'll just get this you over. You mean, let's Geddy over there. <laughs> I see what you did there, lad. I like it. Well, it was just the most pleasurable experience to meet you, and, uh, Sorry again about this whole fountain situation and misunderstanding, but we will get right on doing that little favor for you. Hey, it's okay. You know, you, hey, you helped me learn something. It was worth the price of admission. Maybe <laughs> I might bring my daughter over here and have a little fountain party. <laughs> oh, well, isn't that just so precious? All right, well, um, I mean, if you need anything, you know, we, we're right over here, small team, but uh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I think we've got a trail to hit, huh? Come on! I'm going straight for the inn with popcorn. And you walk out, you grab popcorn, and you see the rest of the party beginning to leave the fountain area. Damn it, I should tell them what I've found. All right, I'll go meet up with them. As I'm walking towards them, I say to Popcorn, Now, Popcorn, I don't want you hanging around that Tony the Pony. He is a very, very bad influence on you. You need to stay away, do you understand? He does not have any manners like you do, okay? (laughs) Good. All right. (laughs) Hello, dear assistants. Over yonder. Ah, Mr. Phelps. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Listen, I I found a lot of useful, I suppose, information about this investigation, if you'd like to hear it. Well, basically, we have reason to believe there is some strong, divine forces at work here. So we're going to go into the forest and check it out. Oh, you're still going on about the divine forces. That is absolutely ridiculous. There is nothing divine going oh, on here. We just have to find the murder weapon and Tommy the murderer. Tommy Boy, what I think is ridiculous is you already canceling something out like that. Oh, but you go ahead. Head on over to the tavern, and we will go ahead on this little trail unless... Did someone want a drink? I want a drink for information. Yeah, that's the main thing. Actually, I was wondering, uh, Thomas, if you you might want a companion for uh, going to the inn there. Yes, I suppose I could use an assistant while I go there. Very good, Jessica. Thank you so much. Oh, it'd be my pleasure. She turns to the others and, uh, you got the ingot and everything? You good to go there? Could you hand me that? And I, uh, drop it into, uh, (laughs) drop it into Gary's hand. Oh, oh, this... Oh, it's only Hand it here, Gabby. Come on. Uh, Tony opens his mouth for you to put it in. Uh, oh, that works too. No, it, Tony, you need to. Here you go, uh, Dot. Thanks, doll. Uh, okay. 
Well, you all have wonderful time in the forest, and um, uh, we'll meet you up. Uh, we'll meet. Oh, goodness me. Getting all tongue tied. My goodness. <laughs> um, anyway, I was just thinking, uh, yeah, that we uh, meet up at the mines after we uh, go our separate ways. Things so. are coming together, I hope. We see Jessica and Thomas heading with popcorn over to the layman's rest. As you walk over to it, you see the big sign that reads the layman's rest. And of course, behind the tavern, you see a stable with three horses. And there seems to be a cart that is there for travel as well. So you hitch popcorn up at the stables. He seems to strike up a horsey conversation with the other horses. As you enter the actual tavern... It is a rectangular building, two stories. It's tidy and welcoming, but it's mostly empty. At the northern end, there is a bar that runs the width of the building, and it has three seats. A gnome stands behind it, tending to a red-headed female orc. Along the length of the building, you see two large round tables with four seats each. The western wall is lined with three doors. Two lead to rooms, and one is behind the bar that leads to what you assume is some sort of storeroom or kitchen. And then at the very southern end of the building, there are stairs that go up to, presumably, more rooms on the second floor. So, Thomas, you thinking uh, chatting with the, the barkeep and uh, the, the lovely lady at the uh, the bar there? I think so, Jessica. We need to find that Kathara individual. Well, two guesses who, yeah? You walk up to take a seat at the bar, and you see a chubby gnome man tending to it. He's in a simple white and blue striped shirt with a dirty rag hanging out of his waistband. His jet black hair is slicked back and his face radiates a friendly warmth. And then seated at the bar beside one of you is an orcish woman with a bright red mohawk. She's done up in a nice sensible jumpsuit with bright red lipstick and you see silver coated lower canines jutting out over her top lip. As the gnome hops around he goes, what can I get you? Information, my good gnome. Oh. We're looking for someone by the name of Kathara. Do you know where she may be? You're talking to her right here. Oh, oh, hello, madam. Hi there. My name's Jessica. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance there. Pleasure. Name's Kathara. Although it seems my name has gotten around already. That's right. We are private investigators trying to learn more about the incident of a few nights ago over at the Anzals. What's his last name? The Ramif Residence. The Ramif Residence. Uh, We're looking for information. I've been told that you were here the night of the murder, and I would just like to know if you saw, heard anything. Would you mind telling us why you were here? Anything of that kind? Certainly. So I work for Groomsha's Brew. We're a small batch roastery for coffee, of course. And so uh, we contracted Ansel as our first grower a few years back. It's been a big hit in Opula. We've been in business for a while, and so I came over to uh, collect the harvest, right? He's been growing uh, coffee beans for us. He does excellent work, (laughs) nearly magical work. And um, the lovely Dart over here, Mr. McNeil, came into town to pick me up. And, well, unfortunately, of course, uh, we arrived to a murder scene. And so he's been kind enough to let me stay these last few days free of charge. While, of course, the um, town figures out whatever's going on. So you know nothing, essentially, regarding the murder. Well, it's a rude way to put it, but I I suppose I don't. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry about my friend here. Sometimes his questions can be a little prickly. So you arrived the night of the murder or the day after? I apologize. I got all sorts of confused in my head there. Hey, buddy, I just want to say, uh, normally people show up to an inn, start asking for information. They usually slide a little something in exchange. I don't know 
you know, hell, I'll be up front. What's in it for me? Well, my good sir, Mr. Gnome. Mr. McNeil, don't be a racist. Mr. McNeil, I didn't mean to be rude there. What's in it for you? That's a great question. Well, the satisfaction that you've helped to deliver justice to the poor family that has been affected by this terrible tragedy, I think would be a would su- be sufficient enough, perhaps. Not only that, but we won't throw you in jail for withholding information from us. How about that? <laughs> that's not a that's not a punishable crime, buddy. I don't know. Obstruction of justice is pretty serious. Yeah, tell that to my uh, my orange aracocra friend. Anyways, I don't know. Is helping deliver justice gonna help that family pay their bills? Is it gonna help cover Miss Hera's uh, uh, incredible demand for coffee and opulence? Oh my goodness. <sighs> Mr. McNeil rushing in to be the knight in shining armor. I'm so sorry. He's a he's a little brasca. He gets worked up easily. What can we do for you? Like I said, we don't really know much, but anything I can give you, certainly. How but... long have you and the bartender known each other? Oh, I'd say what? We met perhaps two seasons ago for the first time, and I came in to uh, collect the harvest. Really? Yes. And how would you describe your relationship to each other? Oh, I don't know. Dot, how would you describe our relationship? Ah, we're friendly, I'd say. I I think that's a very apt description. Friendly, certainly. Dart and Cat are, like, inches away from each other's faces, like, over the bar. Like, very... (laughs) There's very intense energy going on right there. Like, they don't even hear you. (laughs) I Just just to circle back to the question I originally asked, I'm so sorry, Miss Hera. Did you arrive the day of the incident or the day after i am confused on the timeline there it it was the night of the murder mr mcnill were you in the inn the entire evening of the murder or did you step out at one point no i uh i was out of town actually because i went to pick up miss hera and uh we both arrived at the same time so you were picking up miss hera miss hera how did you arrive to town then mr mcnill brought me by carriage oh he picked you up from uh from Opula. Well, it's a it's a small town just outside of Opula, but yes, Brookhaven. I see. Okay. Did you guys notice anything strange as you were coming into town? Well, of course, the unfortunate commotion when we arrived. But... Oh, so you arrived just as the commotion was going on? Yes, I believe. Uh, I'm sorry. It's uh, it was a little disturbing to see, but uh, I believe Mr. Ramif had already passed. But the family was still uh, in shock, so to speak. I see. So you didn't witness any of the crime, specifically just the aftermath, I see. Yeah, I'm afraid so. That's quite all right. I appreciate your honesty here. Would you two mind if I investigated the tavern here? Just to be thorough. It's a little uncomfortable, but sure, there's nothing really here. Okay, I will look in the rooms on the bottom floor first. Oh my, I, I should probably tidy up before oh, you are. Uh... Not necessary, ma'am. I am used to very, very messy rooms. Don't you worry. I will go in there. Don't worry. Ah, is he making you uncomfortable, doll? No, no, it's Excuse fine. me, I... Mr. McNeil. Yeah. What kind of beverages do you serve here? I was very interested in perhaps having a drink. I'm going to sneak in there while Jessica distracts. Uh, well, what, what do you want? I was wondering what your wine selection was like. Uh... We actually don't have anything great wine-wise, but we do have mead. Oh, the mead process. That's very fascinating. Are you? Do you make your own mead here? or uh... Actually, I do, yeah. It's a, it's a McNeil family secret. McNeil meadery. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, I would love to try a glass. Do you have a sample size? Yeah, yeah. L- let me go get them from the back. And 
that starts going on as Thomas investigates the room. So Thomas, roll an investigation for him. 13. Um, you see signs of heavy activity in the room. There is a bed and a nightstand. It is very messy. The mattress seems to be like barely on the frame. There's a small bag with clothing and other, you know, there is some business stuff in there, of course. There's like a small ledger, presumably for, I guess, accounting for the harvest that she was going to be collecting and that sort of thing. Can I read the ledger? Yeah, you you read through it and it looks like a lot of official paperwork. Nothing too crazy. Roll a second investigation check for me. (gasps) 20. Not natural. Let's say that in, she has like a binder type thing with her documents and her ledger and all of that. And so you read through it and you don't see anything too crazy. However, you do notice something that sounds a little familiar, but you're having trouble placing Uh, You find a business card for something that says Valentine Investigation Services. Okay, I'm going to pocket that. And Miss Hera, I was just wondering for you, um, now, how much do you know about that town? Do you know its history at all? I'm afraid not. I've had a few conversations with Mr. Ratmuth, mostly about his his growing processes. Uh, But I do believe it's mostly a family-run town, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. I heard that it was founded around like a very... um, superstitious so to speak um sort of thing like a a very a divine presence was felt here i I suppose every town is at some point or another (laughs) absolutely my goodness my gracious i was just wondering did you have any thoughts on sort of like that divine presence have you seen or felt any sort of evidence in that regard i hate to be a stereotype but us in brookhaven aren't very uh fervent in our beliefs i don't think and i'm gonna sneak into the second room while they talk okay you sneak into the second room roll investigation 14 you can tell someone lives here right but it looks like they haven't spent the night here recently you know there's clothing that looks a lot like it would most likely fit the gnome behind the bar and little other personal effects but you definitely don't notice anything anything here at all like it looks like you went into like a dorm room type thing i will walk out then one last question for the two of you and then we'll get out of your hair there's a name that frequently pops up in this investigation i wonder if either of you are aware of the uh valentine investigation services you familiar with that in any way i'm afraid not no and you mcneil valentine sounds a little familiar but uh not quite sure from where uh, it's popped up in this investigation. A couple times, yes. Just, you know, being thorough, asking everyone the same question. Uh, I'm I'm afraid not, I'm sorry. I, I do live a little more separate from the rest of the town, you know. Uh, lots of traveling here, helping deliver the crops or uh, special shipments over from the forge, whatever it is. So I maybe I just was absent for that. Sorry. I see. So you deliver items from the forge, McNeil? Yeah, I... I Deliver anything that needs delivering. Did you have a delivery on the night of the murder? Nope, just picking up Miss Hera. Gotcha. Okay, and Kat, you're absolutely sure you have no idea what the Valentine Investigation Services are. She looks at you and smiles and says, none. Excellent. I think it's time we leave, Jessica. Well, Miss Hera and Mr. McNeil, I appreciate your time and your cooperation. You both have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Shall we go, Thomas? We shall, Jessica. Meanwhile, we cut... To Dot and Gary walking to the forest? Yes. Riding Tony the Pony for me. Of course. Very slowly uh, trotting on Tony the Pony. 
So what, what exactly are you guys looking for? I think the best place to start is a trail. Find that beaten path that Jeb had mentioned. Thankfully, since Jeb told you it was there, it takes a bit of searching to find the trail. But since you know it's there, it kind of just pops up. And sure enough, there is a path just behind the wizard's tower that leads further into the forest. Well, look at that, Gare Bear. Finally. All right. Let's have a look. You walk along it, and it's a very pretty scene. The forest is nice and tranquil, and eventually you come upon a small spring. There are lilies blooming and a rising hollow hill that forms a sort of little alcove. Wow. If this was something I cared about, I'm sure it's beautiful. It's all right. You've seen one, you've seen them all, you know. Got it. Yeah. Good to know. I mean, we live in a time with dragons and wizards, so it's kind of, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh... In there, I guess. Why not? Okay. I think we'll leave Wade out here to take care of Tony. Yeah. Tony and Wade start drinking from the little spring. Drink as much as you can, Tony. All right. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need it. Get your vitamins from that water. You enter the very pretty opening. It's, it is it is so peculiar. It is literally like imagine a big hill and then it's just empty inside like a little hobbit house. Uh, so you walk into the alcove and you see a number of things. There are assorted piles of what seem to be, like, offerings here. There's little golden orbs, there's rough pieces of metal ore, the occasional tool or trinket. And then in the back of the cave, in the very center, you see an almost life-size carving of a dragon head that appears to be in repose. Scattered throughout the rest of the cave are these little stone statuette-looking things that resemble people but they have very thin, long limbs and spindly bunches of hair. Their faces are smooth and oblong as if wearing a mask, and they're all in different areas and poses throughout the cave. Some are like sitting, cradling their legs, others are laying down, some are standing up, others are face down, and any number of different poses, they're all over the place. Oh, I think uh, Jeb was part of some weird dragon cult, or his grandpa was. I would like to investigate to see how old these figurines are, you know, if they're fresh, are they, you know... The big dragon head statue or the little figurines? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Roll an investigation <laughs> for me. All right. <laughs> Ooh-wee. That is a 23. Roll a nature check for me. Oh, okay. I'll give you advantage on it because that was a good roll. Oh, uh, 18. The big dragon head looks very, very old. At least over a century old, the dragon head has been there. However, as you get closer to these little statues, like something about them strikes you as odd. And they seem far more recent. Some are older than others, but it looks like they weren't all made at the same time. And you recognize their form as something called a twinga. Gazuntite. What did you just say? <laughs> A twinga. Bless you. Now, I didn't even know you could get colds. For context, the statues are all, like, only a few inches tall, usually. The tallest ones are maybe, like, six, seven inches, but usually they're much smaller than that. And you know that twingas are actually real-life living creatures, but they are incredibly rare. They almost kind of live in legend. Some people are like, no, absolutely, like, they're real, we have documentation. And then other people are like, oh, that's like a story my grandpa used to tell me. But Twingos are these incredibly shy, little, almost fairy-like humanoids that, you know, have an immense interest in humanoid life, basically. Like, they find a society very interesting. 
And so the story behind the Chewingas, or at least to your knowledge, is that they don't really need to do much to stay alive. But one fact that you do recall is that when they do die, they sometimes turn into either flowers or little statues or puddles of water, that sort of thing. So this must be what it like to walk next to me, huh? And now I feel giant. Huh? No. What? These little guys. Uh, am Bear. I like this? Is this what it feels like to walk next to me? No, Gear Bear. For one, you're not like a statue figure. You're a living, breathing thing. Uh, I still don't think we should be here. I don't know what Jeb asked us to. I think we just got way off track. This seems like some demonic. Well, no, no. This, this, this. I think can easily apply to the case because if there was some bigger divine power there's something here yeah there is something here i'm looking at yes <laughs> of course something's here exactly so i think because of that it, i this just it might help job right and i know you don't necessarily agree with him and don't want to but this is our case we we have to defend him that is what we signed up for right i'm, I'm here to find out the truth and then uh yeah, if he's in, he's innocent for now. I mean, he did confess to stealing. Correct, yes. And we also found out that he was also going to be murdered. So, look, I'm not pretending to understand the definition of justice and morality, because that's a deeper thing, which I would love to delve into. But, so Dorothy's going to take out the gold piece, and is there like a, a, a bowl? I guess the dragon head is the way to go. Yeah. It's scattered throughout kind of this little alcove, but most of them are, yeah, in front of the dragon head. All right. Well, I would like to place the gold ingot in front of the dragon head and say an offering from the Getty family. Don't eat me. Scare bear. And you bend down and place the little piece of gold ore. And as you stand back up, crouched on top of the dragon's nose, you see a little four-inch tall humanoid shape it is completely black with a white, smooth face and lots of crazy, spindly hair-looking things. And it's crouched and it's just, like, staring at you. And as you look up, it starts mimicking, like, your face movements. Oh, how charming. Hello. This has been Your Honor. Your Honor features the vocal talents of Amanda Fernandez Acosta as Dorothy Arms, Nicholas Palazzo as Thomas Phelps, Michael Pisani as Jessica Felcher, and Nicholas Benetados as Gary Markbile. The rest of the world is voiced by your DM, Giancarlo Herrera. This episode was edited by Michael Pisani and Giancarlo Herrera with sound design by Nicholas Benetados. If you'd like to support the show, consider checking out the links in the show notes, or go to patreon.com slash Our patrons get access to exclusive perks like our after-the-show show, After the Drimbus, where we discuss behind-the-scenes and secrets, free exclusive merch, and the chance to create items for the campaign or have NPCs named after you. Oh, and don't forget to tweet using hashtag Drimbus to be entered to win a free Dungeons & Drimbus sticker. Thank you all so much for listening, and I do declare I'll see you all next week.
the Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. I'm Carlotta Botox, actress, thinktress, and influenceress, and I'm spilling all the tea on Hollywood. <sighs> Name. Carlotta Botox. B-O-T-O-X. Spell the first name. It's actually Botox. B-E-A-U-T-O-X. Of course it is. First name? Botox is actually my last name. My first name... Okay there, who's on first? I know it's your last name. Now I want you to spell your first name. Oh, Carlotta. It's C-A-R, as in the automobile. L-O-T-T-A, like a lot of talent. Wow. Just... Wow. There's also an umlaut. The f*** is an umlaut? It's two dots and it goes over the... Okay, Carlotta, two dots. Just take a seat over there. We'll call you when we're ready. Meanwhile, we'll gird our loins. Check out the Carlotta Botox Chronicles. Available now on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher.